You may be saying he looks nothing like Pastor Ed. He's not as tall as he. He's missing the gray hair. It's not Pastor Ed. My name is Pastor Manny. I'm the outreach pastor here at uh, Calvary Orlando. Uh, we pray for Pastor Ed that he's out in Europe preaching at a men's event, uh, actually in Paris, uh, Rome. And uh, we pray for traveling mercies as he gets back tomorrow. We surely miss him and can't wait to see him again. Same with uh, Miss Jody, that she's out traveling as well. Something happens when, when, when the father of the house is in here, but I know this, Jesus is here. And his presence is here. And we're just so glad to be a part of it. Uh, we've been in this series called Wow. And it's surely been one of those series that just make you say wow. Because we've been talking about the wow statements of Jesus. Pastor Ed led us on the first week on Easter Sunday with the first wow statement, which was, it is finished. And that was an impacting sermon because it taught us that when he said it is finished, what he was saying was that it was paid in full. And I don't know about you, but I celebrate the fact that all of the debt of my sin, Jesus paid the price for it on the cross of Calvary, and it is paid in full. Last week, he took us deeper in the second part of the series with one word, one wow statement word, which was hush. As Jesus was on the boat and as Jesus was sleeping on the boat, we saw how Jesus was awoken from the storm and the disciples awoken to basically calm the storm. And Jesus said one word as he was sleeping. He wakes up and says, hush. And what we learned from that message was that if Jesus is sleeping, we can sleep too through the difficult processes of our life because if Jesus is at peace, hey, we can be in God's shalom as well. Today we want to take it a little deeper and we want to speak about another wow statement of Jesus. And I believe it's going to speak into our lives today. So I want to encourage you today uh, to go into the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. You're going to have notes on the back for those that are visiting and you can follow in that manner as well. And I love the Gospels. I love the Gospels because the Gospels give us a better picture of who Jesus is. Uh, I love the Gospels because it's basically Christology in four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today we want to take a look at the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 11, verse 15 through 18, it says like this. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Today's wow statement is kind of controversial. It's one of those statements that make you cringe. Because today's wow statement is this. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, and you've made it a den of thieves. So today's topic is a house for all nations. A house for all nations. That's today's wow, wow statement. I love the Gospels. I love uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they, they do give us a picture of who Jesus is. And if you're new to the Gospel, if you're new to following Christ, you don't want to start in the book of Revelation 
you want to start off in the Gospels. Because the Gospels are going to give you a picture of who our Lord and Christ Jesus is. And I love the Gospels. I've, I've broken them down to categories, uh, kind of like movies. You see, for me, the book of Matthew is like a documentary uh, because it starts off with uh, begots, and this one begot this one, and this one begot this one, and this one begot this one. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of documentaries. Uh, but that's how Matthew starts. And then you have uh, the book of, of, of Mark, and, and then you have the book of Luke. I'll get to Mark in a second. The book of Luke is almost like a sci-fi movie because Luke was a, was a doctor. And Luke likes all the details of every healing and of, of every miracle, and he gives all those details. If you watch the sci-fi channel, that's, that's the book for you. If you like romantic movies, you're going to want to read the book of John because John is very romantic. And, and, and John uh, goes straight to, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's very poetic. But if you're like me and you like action movies, where's all the men at? You're going to want the book of Mark because the book of Mark is just an action book. In fact, he, he totally skips Christmas Jesus. <laughs> he totally skips baby Jesus. He goes straight to the details. He goes straight to grown, hairy chest, Old Spice Jesus. And, and that's where we are today, in the book of Mark. And, and the book of Mark is referred to uh, for those that need to know that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And in the details that Mark shares with us today, we see something particular, something controversial, something great has just happened. The triumphal entry has just occurred. Jesus has just come into Jerusalem on a donkey. And entering into Jerusalem uh, on that day, the first thing he did, according to verse 11, it says that he entered the temple and simply observed. He simply looked at what was going on in the temple. And then since it was later in the day, he went back to Bethany, slept over most likely Lazarus' house. And the next morning during business hours, he comes back to the temple and does something that nobody expected. Jesus comes into the temple and begins to flip tables, begins to flip chairs, and begins to declare something that would be offensive to all the religious people out there. Jesus would flip those tables and flip those chairs and say this, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. That's a powerful statement, and I'll tell you why. This is Herod's temple. This temple has just been uh, 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 renovated. It has its expansions. It has a court for the Gentiles. It has a court for the women. It has a court for those that are unclean with leprosy. It had courts for everyone. But there was something happening in that temple. And what was happening in that temple was this, that now there was money changers in the temple, and these money changers were uh, bringing, taking in the money from those that were coming from different cities, but they were giving an improper exchange. In other words, you would bring in your money from your currency in your country to exchange it for the currency there in Israel, but many times they were being ripped off. And this made Jesus very upset. Can I say more? Jesus became very angry. And in Jesus' anger, he begins to flip tables and he begins to flip chairs. And for anybody that sees this in a movie or sees this anywhere else, they would say, what's wrong with Jesus? Why is Jesus flipping tables? Why is Jesus flipping chairs? Why is Jesus flipping out? 
Well, let's start with this. There's nothing wrong with being angry. There is something wrong with being angry and sinning because of anger. See, Jesus' anger was a righteous indignation to what was being done in the temple. And now Jesus is upset because what he wanted originally with the temple was a place of meeting where he can meet with his people and his Shekinah glory can be there with his people. But now his temple had become a place of corrupt business. Nothing wrong with doing business, but there's something wrong with corruption in business. And the moment we, we, we miss the, the meaning and the purpose in why we gather together, it's the moment that Jesus wants to flip tables and flip chairs. When I was around 15 years old, my mother uh, would come into my room sporadically. And God knows that I was never neat with my room. I have to be honest because she's probably watching. My, my mother would come on a Saturday morning and just flip my mattress take everything out of my closet. And I would say, but mom, what are you doing? This is, that's why you, this is not fair. Because that's what every teenager says. Why are you doing this to me? And my mom would say, I'm cleaning out your room because this place is a mess. You see, what we call a mess, God calls order. She was bringing order to my chaos. Can I say that again? She was bringing order to my chaos. Jesus came into the temple to bring order to the chaos. And what somebody else would have said, he's making a mess in the temple. Jesus was just cleaning house. He wanted his house to be clean. He wanted his house to have its proper use. Which brings me to my first point today. Jesus has no problem flipping tables and flipping chairs. We see in verse 15 that when he goes in, that's the first thing he does. He flips over the tables of the money changers and flips over the chairs of those that are selling doves. The reason Jesus does this is because Jesus is trying to stop every transaction that's being done in the temple that does not honor him. I recently went to Philadelphia with the family, and if you're in Philadelphia, you do have to get a Philly cheesesteak. Come on, church. And I went to this very famous, I'm not going to say the name, very famous uh, Philly cheesesteak uh, place, and I gave the man a $20 bill for one Philly cheesesteak. And when he gave me my money back, he only gave me $3.25. Now the Philly cheesesteak was only $5 and a few quarters. And I quickly realized I was being ripped off. But when I went to go ask for money, I said, sir, he says, what do you want, man? I said, no, no problem. I just wanted to say that the Philly cheesesteak tastes very well. I knew he ripped me off, but I was too afraid to confront him on it. Can I tell you this today, church? Many times we are doing improper exchanges with the enemy, and once he rips us off, we have no problem confronting him because we are too afraid to stand up to the one that took things away from us. There are improper exchanges happening in our life that God is saying, I am not pleased with it because I have turned your mourning into dancing, but for some reason you're still mourning. I have turned your pain into gain, but for some reason you still can't get your hands up and lift up the name of Jesus. And the reason for that is because there's been an improper exchange in your life. But we need a beautiful exchange. The beautiful exchange is this. 
that I was a sinner and I was broken and I did not deserve salvation. But Jesus did a beautiful exchange by taking my place on the cross of Calvary and dying for my sins. And his exchange, my life for his, has changed my life. And I hope he changed your life too, church. Come on, you can give it strong for him today. Don't allow the enemy to, to rip you off anymore. It's been too many years where you spend too much days and too many mornings thinking about the problems in life and not thinking about the praise you should give to Jesus. It's been too many weeks or, 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 or months where it's been too hard for you to lift up your hands in the middle of a worship service because there's been an improper exchange. Today, God says, if you do the proper exchange and you let me flip the tables in your life, you will see that I will bring order to the things that are broken. Jesus does that. He has no problem flipping tables. The reason that he has no problem flipping tables is because he knew what the original intent of his courts were. See, Psalms 100 tells us clearly, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And Jesus said, this looks nothing like what King, uh, uh, King uh, David wrote. King David wrote, enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with what? With praise. And now in exchange for praise, there's bickering. There's, there's, there's exchanges of, of negotiations. And I pray that in your life you can exchange all of those things so you can set up an atmosphere of praise and worship that from the moment you enter the parking lot, there's a thanksgiving in your mouth. That the moment you enter into the lobby, there's praise in your mouth. That the moment you enter this place, there's already worship happening in your life because you know how good God has been. Second thing that calls my attention is in verse 17. And I like this. Jesus has no problem flipping out. And even when he flips out, he's still teaching. That's why I love Jesus. Because even when Jesus flips out, there's still a lesson. That, that, call, that calls my attention because Jesus just finished running people out of the courts of the temple. Jesus just finished flipping over tables and turning over chairs. But now he's about to teach. Because now he begins to quote out of uh, the book uh, of, of he begins to quote out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse 11, when he says, my house shall be a house for all nations. That was a wow statement. Because in reality and in cultural time, this is not Jesus' house. This is Herod's temple. But Jesus makes a very bold statement. He calls Herod's temple my house. It's not just a statement, church. It's a declaration. He is declaring, you may have built it, but I designed it. I have to say it again. You may have built it, but I designed it. 
I knew the original intent and why I wanted a, a atrium and why I wanted a holy place and why I wanted a holies of holies and why I wanted an ark of the covenant and why I wanted a veil to separate the presence of God from those that couldn't handle the presence of God. I know why I wanted this. That's why it's my house. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. See, I've read this so many times and missed the last part of the statement. I've just read right through and I said, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Missing the most important part of this statement. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. On a day like today, thousands of people are congregating in churches, but Sunday's the most segregated day of the week. Sunday's the most segregated day of the week because Sunday is the day where Latinos go to Latino churches and white people go to white churches and African-Americans go to African-American churches and Indians go to Indian churches. But I thank God for places like Calvary Orlando where we are a house for all nations. Right now as we speak, church, right now as we speak, there is a Haitian church meeting downstairs. Right now as we speak, Calvary Espanol is meeting. Later on today, the Condoleezza congregation is going to be meeting. Because Calvary has become a house for all nations. My God, I need somebody to help me praise today. Because it's good to know that we are in a good house. That, that, that knows the original design and intent of God's church. That we do not exclude people, but that we include people into what God is doing. My dad was a pastor. And I remember his church in Brooklyn, New York. You would go into the storefront church and there was two rows. And the row to the left was the row for the women. And the row to the right was the row for the men. And God forbid a man sat in the women's section. Don't do that. That's against church rules. I never knew what would happen if a man did that or a woman switched over to the other side of the aisle. But it just never made sense. Anytime we make restrictions that God has never made, it limits the presence of God. And I, I believe that God is calling this church to continue to be a house for all nations. To, 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 to call out for those that are still feeling rejected and excluded. To, to look to those that need Jesus in this season and the hope of Jesus in this season. That's why I love what God is doing even in Orlando Hope and as we reach the homeless. Because we are a church for all nations. But this temple wasn't. See, they had made a court for the, for the Gentiles. But now... Uh, 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 Caiaphas and all of the Pharisees and all of those that uh, had order in the temple had now said, no, you can't enter through here. No, Jews only, you need to stay outside. And this made Jesus very upset because Jesus didn't die for some, he died for all. Jesus didn't come for some, he came for everyone. Jesus didn't die for some, he died for all. And that's what we see in the story. We see a Jesus and we see a statement that basically calls out for us to be a house for all nations. I remember this. Uh, don't laugh before I say this. Uh, several years ago, I went to an aerobics class. You see? Okay. 
You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. I went to an aerobics class with Mimi. She invited me to have some, you know, some, some time together. And she was in this very intense uh, aerobics class, and we went to the fitness center. And we went to the fitness center. I did not have any of the right clothes on. I went with my Jordan sweatpants and my Air Force One uh, sneakers. She went with everything that she needs for her fitness class and her aerobics class. And she went in first, and I'm dragging my feet to go in. And that's the first thing that happens when I go in is this. I go in, and the lady at the front desk says, uh, sir, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'm here for the aerobics class. And she goes, ha, are you playing? I said, no, I'm serious. I'm here for the aerobics class. My, my wife just went in. She was like, and you're going to do aerobics like that? And I said, is there a problem with my Jordan jumpsuit? And she says, no, no problem at all. Just, just straight ahead and make it the first right. So now I go into the aerobics class. My wife is in the front. She's waving at me, just happy that I'm there with her. I'm in the back row, and the music begins, and the music begins to play. And now I'm trying to catch up with everybody that's in the aerobics class, but I'm bumping into the person next to, next to me on the right, and I'm bumping to the person that, that's next to me on the left, and I'm just all confused, and I'm confusing everybody else around me. All of a sudden, the music stops. And the instructor says, okay, guys, let's stop the music. We have a new person here. And I said, oh, great. Mimi, I'm going to the car. I'll see you later. Totally embarrassed me. Now, here's the thing. I sit in my car, and the Holy Spirit begins to impress on me. He says this, do you see how you feel at this moment? I said, yes, I do. He says, this is how many people feel when they come into my house. We look at how they're dressed and we look at how they're living and we, and we exclude them. And, and then we're not cordial with them. And then we're not connecting with them. And I've never wanted that for my house. I've always wanted my house to be a house for all people. And I said, the moment, Lord, that you call me to be a minister, we will always love people to life. Because that's what the church is called to do. As I close, in this last point, Jesus wants a house. He does not want a den. Notice in the last statement of this wow statement, he says, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. When I was looking at the original wording on this, den of thieves, it went back to something in the word of God. It's actually in Jeremiah 7:11, where it says clearly, it says clearly that the den of thieves, it was the place where those that had stolen and those that had taken something from someone, they would go into caves to hide after stealing something. And, and, and Jesus is comparing the temple at this moment and in this season as a cave where people hide after they commit a crime. And Jesus never intended for his house to be a den. He has always wanted his house to be a place where everyone is welcome. This is confronting many people. This is challenging those that are there because he is calling this place, this temple, a cave or den of thieves. He was displeased with the exclusion of people. And let me say this, there is a difference between being cordial 
and being connected. See, I can invite you to my house and I can say, come in, come in, uh, but keep your shoes on and just wait here. And I go back to my living room and sit down and watch the game. And then look back and say, hey, are you okay back there? Is there anything that you need? Just stay right there in the foyer, please. Don't go anywhere. That's not being connected. That's not me connecting with people. That's me being just cordial. God doesn't want us to just be cordial. He wants us to be connected with people. And God is calling many of us here that is saying, but Pastor Manny, how do I do that? I've been coming to this church for a year. I just don't know how to connect. I just don't know how to get involved. Well, there's many ways you could do that today. And this is the place where you can do it. This is a safe place for anyone, and it doesn't matter where you came from or what you've gone through or the pain that you're going through. I promise you this. If you allow God to change your place and make it his house, you will see God do amazing things in your life. So I want to finish with this. And in your bulletin, if you have one, you can just fill in the blank as I say them. There's some things that God wants us to become. And there's some, there's some initiatives that we need to make in our life. And some of those initiatives demand that you and I make a choice. That not only this house becomes a house of prayer for all nations, but that this house may be a house of prayer for all nations. Peter said this, he said, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want my temple, I want my house to be a place of prayer where I am welcoming and loving to everybody that needs Jesus. That after we leave this place today, we don't shut off our Christian lifestyle and go back to our whatever we came from, but that we continue it during the week and, in, and find three people that we can invite back to church next Sunday because we've become a house of prayer for all nations. Here's what God yearns for us, and this is what God impressed on my heart for you. God yearns for us to be a house for the hurting. There are people out there in our city that are hurting. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. Maybe you're broken inside and you're in need of God's restoration. We are a house for the hurting. God yearns for us to be a house for the oppressed. Those that just can't get a good break. Those that financially are oppressed or emotionally are oppressed. God wants to give you the garment of praise today because this is a house where the oppressed can come and find comfort. God yearns for us to be a house for the unchurched and the dechurched. We hear Pastor Ed talk about it all the time that our city is the most dechurched and unchurched city in all the surrounding cities around us, which calls for us to make the mission ours, which calls for us to be a house and a church for the unchurched people. God yearns for us to be a house for the skeptics, for those that are just finding a problem with believing. It's our job to preach the word. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict with that word. But if you're a skeptic today, you're just not sure if Jesus is the one, just let him to, allow him to speak into your life and you'll see what God is going to continue to work in your life so you can see him for who he really is. And lastly, God yearns for us to be a house for the excluded. There's people out there and maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I, I like the idea of getting involved in church, but you don't know my past. I like the idea of being involved in church, but I'm too busy in my, my very, very successful business. 
I, I like the idea of, of doing something for the kingdom or getting involved in a small group or getting involved in the connect team or getting involved in Orlando Hope or the worship team or our greeters. But I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I qualify. Well, today I want to tell you, you do qualify because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Church, we are a house for all nations. And I believe that what God is going to continue to do in this house is going to be amazing. It's going to be supernatural. But it will only happen when we allow Jesus to flip every table of exchange in our life and every seat where we are just selling the wrong things off. But more importantly, when we decide that we will become a house of prayer and a house for all nations. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.